Well, I'm not sure what your experience has been of being part of a growing local church. Northern Life has been growing in our faith, certainly for really more than 100 years. And, and I've experienced it in, in these recent years that we've been part of the church. But in addition to inward growth, we've been so excited to see numerical growth and growth in giving in the amount that we get to steward on behalf of God. Um, that was up until COVID hit and uh, it's been a challenging year, though budget wise, we, we, we've been making budget, but um, I, I, it, it feels like our growth in numbers certainly slowed down um, during these uncertain times that we've been in, and certainly being online as well. Let me ask you again, what is your experience of being part of a church that transitions from a, a smaller size church to a larger size? Some of us have had that experience, others haven't. Leanne and I have been blessed to witness a church over a period, a period of nearly 20 years get revived by the Lord. And uh, we are seeing it happen now in our church. Um, as I reflect on it, it involves a lot of prayer, of gospel sharing, um, both in here amongst us and out there, um, faith, generosity, hard work, and it's all saturated in God's grace. Giving tends to go up in such a church. When God is reviving a church, when he's breathing life into a church and changing its, um, its capacity to do good, giving tends to go up. Now, I've got a little PowerPoint here to show you some pictures. Um, this is the church that we were part of, um, and that was a church before Northern Life, um, where there were many years of stagnation. You can see it went for about 10 years of sitting at giving of about $2,000. But then we ended up selling the old church and buying a factory and um, having a rejuvenation of vision and life in the church. And um, we tried to be generous in that period as well. And God really blessed what we were doing. Um, we decided in these upward kicking financial times to before we saw the, the growth that we would give 10% of all that came in in offerings 10% would go to mission and then that went up to 12.5% and then I think it was 18% and then 20% to mission for that church it's different for us we have money in the bank but that church we had no money in the bank there was no contingency plan we treated money like manna you use it or you lose it and we just used it for the kingdom and uh, amazing things happened so what did all this increased giving really mean well thinking back to that experience it meant sending more missionaries into the world doing more care for people, discipling more people, sending more people to theological college. In fact, we sent many, many people to, um, to get trained for ministry. It meant helping more local schools, doing more kids ministry and kids hope mentoring and scripture and men's ministry and family ministry and women's ministry and feeding the poor. Growth is an exciting thing to experience. 
It really is. Being part of a church where God is breathing and people are getting saved and discipled and, and money's coming in and going out. Lots of great stuff happens. In fact, in that type of church, giving and momentum in giving empowers dreamers. It empowers dreamers. Again, this is telling old stories, but we're going to get to Northern Life in a very short amount of time. Back in that old church, one day I remember sitting in a cafe next to the church and we were meeting up with um, some of the leaders of Baptist World Aid and we were talking about uh, different opportunities. And one of them shared this new program they were starting that was all about keeping companies accountable for how they treated their workers in the developing world. They were very excited about this opportunity. And one of our team said... uh, Do churches ever help you pay for administrative workers on the ground in your office? Do do people ever give for that or is it mainly overseas aid work? The answer was no, people don't tend to support us in that way. Um, So we said, look, why don't we work out a way of committing to $20,000 a year for three years and we'll see if we can pay for some of the time of your admin staff to get this idea off the ground. Now, it was already started, but they needed a boost. So we did that, and um, that became the fashion guide that is now one of their, their biggest programs for Baptist World Aid. It was so good to be able to be part of God's way of breathing on that idea as a local church. It's what churches with momentum in their finances, can do. They can help. Another time we had some people from our church studying at Morling College and one of our deacons said, hey, we should ask Macquarie Baptist if they would put one of our guys on um, in a paid capacity if we provided the money. So long story short, we provided Macquarie Baptist with 300 bucks a week to use to support um, one of our people to learn what it, um, it took to become a pastor, a youth pastor. And um, that was amazing. And to um, summarize again, we, we did the same thing with Blackheath Baptist. We set up a, a, a fund and we paid, I think it was $20,000 for three years each year. And they put the rest in uh, to put on a worship pastor and a youth pastor. We built a children's home in Asia at that church. We built a Bible college in Ethiopia. We built a school in Rwanda. And that's all just to give all the glory to God. When the local church comes alive, there is almost no limit to what it can achieve together. Uh, I have found watching a church grow through lots of different sizes. A church of, say, 400 plus people without crippling debt can be a potent force. Now, I'm not saying you can't do amazing stuff with less than that, but it seems like once you get to that size and people are generous and they believe in the vision of what God is doing in that church, I don't know, it's just weird. There's wind in the sail and you can achieve so much. How do you get there? That's the big question. How do you get to that place of momentum in a growing church? I would say this, lift up Jesus. Lift up Jesus, preach the gospel in here, as I said before, and out there in our groups, in our hearts, preach the gospel. Grace, grace, grace. Understand that we're set apart. We're set apart for God's glory 
and we should be cultivating habits of righteousness. And that matters. Generosity as a posture matters. Love, care, consistency. Don't chase the trendy stuff. There's a lot of trendy stuff that comes along in churches. I think we need to just keep doing the basic things well. Love God, love others, make disciples and be generous as you do it. In our day, particularly in the West, but really it's anywhere in the world, to do increasing amounts of good works in a suburban Sydney church, it requires money. It just requires a backbone of support that allows visionaries to rise up from amongst the church and see amazing things done for the glory of Jesus. The local church needs consistent, passionate, joy-filled, committed financial supporters from every generation. If God is truly painting his story on the canvas of generations and in the colours of the nations, then every generation has to step up and contribute to the glorious retelling of the Creator's story. Amen? There aren't enough people in the room at the moment to say amen, but you need to say amen. Many of us have heard of tithing as a way of giving to the local church. This morning on the first Sunday of a new year, we're going to look at this idea of intentional giving, and it's typically called tithing. Let me say at the very start, the model of tithing only works when it's based on a joy-filled giver. Joy in the heart is the foundation, and for the glory of Jesus, is the foundation of giving and tithing. And that's the type of giver the Lord desires. People in the Bible are commended for giving in ways that have nothing to do with tithing. Nevertheless, the Bible does refer to tithing, and it's a great principle um, that pushes us towards strategic giving. So let's spend a little bit of time on this first uh, message of the year to think about 10 reasons to tithe. Tithing means giving 10% of your income to the work of the gospel. Why would you do it? Number one, it's a command from both God and Jesus. God said, Leviticus 23, 27, verse 30, a tithe of all you produce is the Lord's and it is holy. Jesus said to the Pharisees, yes, you should tithe and you shouldn't leave the more important things undone either. Matthew 23, 23. I find that really interesting that tithing was the only thing Jesus commended the Pharisees for doing. That is relatively classic, I think. Why should I tithe? Secondly, because tithing shows that God has first place in my life. Deuteronomy 14 says, in a, in a fairly colloquial translation, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to put God first in your life. In God's infinite wisdom. Let's not forget that that is the actual truth. God has infinite wisdom. He knows everything the one true living God commends us to tithe. He is Alpha and Omega, which means he's the beginning and the end of existence. Nothing breathes life that hasn't been allowed to breathe because of God through his word, Jesus. Jesus holds everything together and God says, as we would completely expect, 
put me first. Well, how could we not put him first? Because he's Alpha. He can't be anything but first. He's Alpha and Omega. He's the first. He's eternal. He knows everything. And he says, put me first. That'll cause things to go well for you. And so that's why we're called to put him first in our finances. Why worship with a tithe? Because it reminds me that everything I have was given to me by God. Deuteronomy 8. Always remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Let me read that again. That is something we just have to sit in. Always remember that it is the Lord your God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Does everything really come from God? There's a question to think about. Does everything come from God? It's so easy to say to yourself, without really knowing you're saying to yourself, it's just you start to think it. I've worked really hard for this. I've earned everything that I have. It's mine. But God says, who who do you think gave you the eyes you used to do the work that you've done to earn the money that you have? Who provided you with the angels that you don't know protected you while you were earning that money? Who designed the brain that you're using that they're paying you to implement to, to earn the money that you have? God did. Giving is an act of worship because it comes out of a world view and that world view is if I am a worshipper of the one true living God, it makes sense for me to give to him because everything I have is on loan from the Father. Amen? Everything I have is on loan from the Father. So it's an obvious thing to do to give back to the, the one who gave as worship. Why tithe? Number four, because tithing expresses my gratitude to God for helping me earn incomes. Quite similar to the previous point. How can I repay Psalm 116? How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? Well, the answer is you can't. It's a gift, but we can joyfully give back to the Lord because he has blessed us, which is Deuteronomy 16. Living in a perpetual state of gratitude is a great way to live. Have you found that? Because it changes your demeanor. Don't take God for granted in your gratefulness. Why give intelligently, strategically and consistently to the work of the gospel? Because this is a pokey one. Because refusing to tithe is stealing from God. Now, okay, full declaration, um, this is now sounding pushy. We've gone to Malachi. Malachi is the classic go-to verse, if you didn't know it, about stealing from God. Malachi was a prophet who lived um, sometime pretty close before Nehemiah's time. We don't know for sure, but the context of his preaching is in the lead-up to Nehemiah. God says, will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you ask, how do we rob you? God says, in tithes and offerings. Bring your whole tithe to my house. Malachi 3, 8 to 10. God has a right to whatever he asks from us. 
What does that passage mean if it doesn't mean what it obviously looks like it means? God feels ripped off when we don't honour him with what we earn. Why tithe? Number six, because tithing gives God a chance to prove to you that he exists and wants to bless you. Bring me your tithe. Test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will be protected from plagues. Malachi 3.10 Giving is an inherently difficult subject to talk about in church. I think partly because we are super private about money, aren't we? But also because the church, the church in general has a really bad reputation about chasing money, doesn't it? Christianity has had plenty of scammers who take people's money with promises that is what that passage sounded like, promises of prosperity no matter what. You know, if you give to God, he is going to bless you a hundredfold back. That's not what we teach at this church. We do teach that God wants to bless, that he looks after his people, but we don't teach what's called the prosperity gospel, that God wants us all to be rich. It's not our position and we do not pressure people you think about it when's the last time we actually preached on this stuff we don't push it um, every offering we are super laid back about giving but sometimes we have to stop and have a look at a passage like this and without promising blessing i want to say i've never met a christian who can honestly say I have given to the Lord's work and he hasn't looked after me. I haven't, met, I haven't met someone who has that testimony. It's raining outside and the drain is pretty noisy. Anyway, it's real, isn't it? Uh, in Sydney, we have not had too many days that haven't been raining over summer. Uh, so there it is in the background. Uh, personally, my wife Leanne and I, we have found that God has honoured us as we have given to the work of the local church and the sharing of the gospel. Um, God has looked after us. He's poured out blessing on our family. And all I can do is commend that Malachi is true. Giving is part of a faith journey. It really is. If you know you're loved by the Lord, you know his spirit dwells within you, Ask the spirit of Jesus what he wants you to give to the work of the gospel and see what he says. Why give? Why tithe? Because it is essential to spiritual growth. It is essential to spiritual growth. 2 Corinthians 8, 7. This is one of my favorite passages in all of these passages. Just as you grow in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in earnestness and in love, see that you also grow in the grace of of giving. Isn't that an interesting little portion of scripture? Giving is not something that you just have like that. It's it's a a discipline, it's a joy that we need to grow in. Grow in the grace 
of giving. Giving is a matter of stewardship. You know, money comes through our possession to use wisely. That's what a steward does. They, they never forget, this is not all mine. God is lending to me resources so that I could use them for his glory. That's what a steward does. Money comes through my possession to use it wisely. As we grow in maturity, as we grow in our understanding of what matters in life, we use our resources for more and more useful purposes. Letting go of money keeps us at arm's length as we grow in following Jesus, in becoming more and more like Jesus himself. We give money away because it's part of becoming like Jesus. It keeps the God of mammon at, at arm's length. Jesus says you can't serve both God and money. God is God, not the money, small g God, known as mammon. Giving helps us grow into the likeness of Jesus. Why would we tithe? Because tithing shows I really love God. A lot of these passages are just pointy. They're just Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will also be. Matthew 6. Wherever you put your money is where your affection is going to be. Now, again, press pause. Think about that. Is that true? It's what Jesus says. Where you put your money is where your heart's going to end up. Every time you give back to God, you're drawn closer to him. Jesus said, if you really love me, you will do what I command, John 14, 15. Why would we tithe? Reason number nine, because tithing is an investment for eternity. Jesus told us to store up treasures in heaven, Matthew 6, 19 to 20. How do you do that? You do that by investing money in helping people get to heaven and experience the new creation that comes after heaven. Most of the things that we spend our money on will not last for 10 years. Some things will, but these days, not a lot. Giving towards gospel ministry is an investment for eternity. Think about that. Honestly, that's a good investment strategy. I mentioned before how um, we've seen a local church go from relatively small to large in the Sydney context. What I didn't mention is what that meant for people for eternity. We saw in that church so many people get saved. So many people go from a pagan, godless existence to a light-filled, love-filled, forgiven existence that will go on forever and ever and ever. And you know what was amazing in that? I saw those people have kids who started coming to our kids' church and they got saved and they got baptized and they got married and they went on and it goes generation to generation to generation. The love of God, the power of God changing lives. And that's what a local church that gets on fire, that sees people saved, is part of. As Colossians says, moving people from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. The kingdom of Jesus Christ, who God loves. <clears throat> Finally, why would we tithe? Because you cannot outgive God. Did you know there are more promises in the Bible connected to giving than any other subject? 
Weird. Interesting. More promises connected to giving than any other subject. Luke 6 verse 38 says, Whatever measure you use to give, it will be used to measure what is given back to you. You can see why that little passage has been maybe abused over the years because it's so full on. It says, the measure you use will be used back to you. I don't know, what do we do with that? Ten reasons to tithe. Do you have to tithe? Ask God. See what he says. One thing is for sure. Following Jesus is not just about like jumping through some religious hoops. So it, it can't be that. It can't be because, oh, you've got to tithe and give because it's somehow how you earn, earn his favor and earn salvation. It, it is a gift. Salvation is a gift. Totally received by grace through faith. Why don't you look at how much God has given you? And think about how you're spending what he has given you. Work out if a tithe to the local church can work for you and try it out. If it's not a tithe, I would encourage you to think about a figure like 5% or maybe 1%. 1% of your income. Well, sit down, work out how much God gives you to steward in a year and then go, okay, what would 1% be? Try 0.2%. 0.2%. So $2 in every 1000 you earn. It doesn't matter. You get what I'm trying to say. Pick something and be thoughtful. A good steward is thoughtful because they think about what has God entrusted me to steward. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 says, Remember this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will reap generously. People ask, what about aid organisations? Do they count? See what the Bible says. Oh, it doesn't say. You won't find aid organisation in the Bible. That doesn't mean we don't give to them. You use your mind, your heart, communal wisdom, pray about it, give wisely. At Northern Life, our approach is to try and do a lot of broad aid giving so that if people want to, you can give to the local church and know that some of your tithes, some of your offerings are going towards aid projects anyway. Can I just uh, put Northern Life forward to you? Um, I guess I'm, I'm pitching the work that we do together here to you as something worthy. When you give to gospel work at Northern Life Baptist Church, you're investing in a local gospel proclaiming church that has been doing it since 1903, this is not a boutique, fly-by-night, church on the corner in the cafe shop, which, they, hey, more power to you if that's who you are. But this church has been doing this, loving people in the name of Jesus, since 1903. Every week we aim to share the gospel and train people in how to follow Jesus. That's what we do through church services and live and online training every week. We encourage people to meet together to create spaces for Christian community to be experienced in all its fullness through Life Hubs. We are at Northern Life ministering week on week out to people from all ages. We are serving our community and sharing the love of Jesus through Kids Hope, the mentoring that's done in that, through school scripture, 
relationship building through cuppa and a chat, kids clubs, kids church, youth group, homework club is coming, one-on-one community coaching is coming, play group is coming. We're working with long-term cross-cultural partners, in other words, missionaries, to serve the poor, share the gospel week in, week out. Our support is helping them do this. They train leaders. They lead people to Jesus. They're serving in countries all over Africa, in Thailand, Australia, and Peru. Part of our giving is supporting anti-slavery work in Cambodia, reconciliation work in Cambodia. Our money helps facilitate gospel outreach to inmates of New South Wales prisons. Some of our money supports our own people, exploring mission as a potential call of God on their lives. I'm thinking that you're getting the picture. In 2021, are you going to have skin in the game financially at Northern Life? Are you going to take from what God has given you and invest it, invest it in a local church? The bottom line is this. We need to work out what we've been given by God and give what we think he would like us to give. We haven't even talked about what good stewardship is in this message because sometimes we don't have anything left because we've made bad decisions, right? That's, that's another whole um, process to go through. Give what you would like to give. That's how I would encourage us all to see giving because that's the challenge. He doesn't want you to give what you don't want to give. Give what you want to give from what he has given you. And I'm coming under with Leanne, our family, we're coming under the same challenge. All of our blessings come from God. Amen. All of the blessings we enjoy come from our God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Lord God, we are so grateful that you have blessed us with the knowledge of the gospel. There's nothing that comes close to that. Thank you that you've blessed us with your spirit. Thank you that you've fulfilled your promise to look after us, to provide for all of our needs. And we thank you so much for the invitation to be part of kingdom gospel work that would lift up the name of Jesus and be part of something worthwhile that lasts forever. We give you all the praise for inviting us into this wonderful thing called the kingdom of God in Jesus' name.